I'm so confused of what's going on in the news. A ship is blocking us and it's costing us billions. What does it mean? Hi, I'm Allison. And hi, I'm Rocco. And that was Shreyas you just heard there. We're part of FAIR, and this is the Irrational Expectations podcast. Each episode, Shreyas picks out an article from the Daily News that's got him confused. Allison and I are here to help him. Today I chose an article from Bloomberg. It's titled, <laughs> U.S. Stocks Climb While Oil Falls Amid Suez Block Markets Wrap. Just for background, I guess there's a ship stuck in the canal. As of recording this podcast, this is no longer the case, but I wanted to start off real simple because we know now that a ship is stuck in a canal, but how does this prevent a drastic amount of oil from being accessed? Okay, so basically in the world, there are so few of these shortcuts uh, that allow you to really cut short your shipping times, right? And the Suez Canal is one of them. If you don't take the Suez Canal, like shipping from Asia, to Western Europe, you need to go around Africa, around the south, around the Horn of Africa, right? But the Suez Canal allows you to like cut that short by like what, nine, 10 days or something like that. And that's really, really important for a globalized economy uh, like where we are right now, where that sort of massive like 30% cut down in shipping times is gonna save you a lot on fuel and therefore reduce the cost of products, right? And so it's just really important to keep the, the global economy running smooth to make sure that these uh, shortcuts, these shipping lanes stay open, stay safe, and stay running. If I can just kind of add on, uh, the thing there is, like, what kind of confused me a little bit is all countries have plenty oil reserves. Like, the U.S. has de definitely has plenty oil reserves to operate over that kind of a week. So I understand kind of the push-up due to, you know, scarcity temporarily increasing. But the move that was seen in the market, like... I don't know how many people expected this to last for months or something because the, the, the move that happened in the market was excessive, in my opinion, given the fact that you could expect it to be fine within like a week or two at most and oil reserves in the countries would be fine for that amount of time. Okay, well, I have look, a couple tangential questions actually that I want to go over. Uh, the first one being, why does this specifically affect oil as opposed to other kind of products that are being shipped? Well, the thing is, oil is something that they kind of needed, right? So let's say any kind of good that's being shipped, if it's slowed down, then it's not going to be sold. But oil is such an integral part of all industries that the demand for it won't drop. All that will drop is the supply because it's not being shipped. Yeah, that makes sense. But theoretically, there would be other things too, right, that aren't being shipped that are also necessities that aren't being covered, I guess, in, in an article like this that aren't oil, right? Sure. Sorry. And, and there are also a lot of food items, for example, that were being shipped through uh, in these containers, right, that weren't getting delivered. And for, like, a lot of, for a lot of these firms, if they if this thing didn't unblock soon, they're going to start having this stuff airlifted, right, to make sure that they could meet their requirements for... Which would require what? More oil. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but so it seems like oil is doing the worst, I'd imagine, given by the fact that the articles that I've seen all focus on oil. But actually, to your comment about oil reserves, how do those, how do oil reserves, like a country's oil reserves, affect the market for oil? So essentially, uh, you know, it, it, it's always tied to the local market. So, you know, if you had, if Czech Republic had its, you know, own oil futures, then and there was suddenly a shortage of oil, then that would push the prices of those futures up because that by some nominal, if it was a long-term shortage because the country has some reserves that would kind of fill up the current demand and then if it, if it was to persist, those reserves would run out and suddenly you have demand for oil and not enough oil in the country. So if it was completely localized, 
then it's directly tied to the reserves. Because this was kind of a global scale thing, and a lot of the oil futures market operates on U.S. oil, that pushed it up because a lot of that oil that was heading towards somewhere was heading towards U.S. But even if, it's, even if it's global, though, right, it would still apply, like the regional logic would still apply, that every individual region would still try to tailor to demand in terms of their oil reserves, right? So why would it still be an issue? But in this case, it was very short term. So in that, like, I, I don't think it should have been the kind of a reaction we've seen in the markets. That may have been kind of an overreaction from the markets due to everything that's been happening before and all those block trades and there being a lot of freed up capital to move around. If this was a long term thing, then everyone's going to want to get into oil because people will need that oil for something. An interesting tangent here as well, not related to the real economics of the situation, but when we talk about these oil reserves, remember that a lot of this is like tied up in the strategic reserves of a country, right? So the United States has an oil reserve, China has an oil reserve that is uh, meant for uh, government use, right, military use. And when we're talking about blocked shipping lanes and things like that, it is a sort of interesting tangent to think about because a sort of like natural, uh, at least for me, thing to jump to is to think about, oh, what if we saw the Malacca Straits uh, blocked off, right, and some sort of military action. Then we'd also be talking about some really interesting stuff regarding oil pipelines, right, and oil strategic reserves, etc. I guess I get the idea that a long-term blockage of a key oil passageway would be important. I guess I'm still a bit confused as to why, like, a short-term thing was so impactful. Because the, I think the main reason there was they didn't know how long it was going to take. And also, there was an expectation of, well, if it's not being shipped by boats, even if that oil isn't being shipped, there's going to be a demand for it because they're going to need to, you know, how, how else are you going to ship? If you're not shipping by boat, you can either take a longer route by boat, which uses up more oil, or you can fly stuff over, which again uses up more oil. So I think for some people, the logic there was the alternative shipping routes were higher, you know, had a higher oil cost. And also just, you know, there's temporary decrease in supply and the temporary demand has stayed the same. So it would yeah. increase in price. And don't underplay the sort of actual damage that results from having a sh even a short-term blockage like this, right? Because the fact of not having oil or some good deliver in time does really mess up a lot when you're operating in these sort of industries where you have this item coming in, this input, and you are at the same time then placing some good in the hands of some shipper. And also, I just kind of realized one thing is that usually that oil being shipped isn't completely refined. You have a lot of processing and then oil has a shelf life and everything. So what you're doing is you're not delivering that oil to where it's needed. And if it's crude oil, then the refinery process is delayed. And a lot of things you know, that require that oil to process it further are then waiting for some of that oil to kind of catch up. And that is a lag in the market that will have a longer lasting impact as far as the supply effects. And I think just like a really easy example here is just imagine if you're freaking like ordering a, pine a pineapple, right? So you're a pineapple shipper and your pineapple shipment is just now stuck in the Suez Canal. Well, that's just going to mean that if you're in London waiting for your pineapple shipment to come in, these are unfulfilled orders that you have now waiting on you. And that's real damage hitting you, right? It's a sort of stylized example, but that's the sort of thing that's happening on a broader scale and in a more complicated way with oil. I guess then my question would be, where does the damage occur? Because I, I guess it would be a lag, right? In terms of when you can provide individual things but it would be a lag for a couple of days for what it seems like, maybe a week, you yeah. know? So I would wonder, like, what would be the actual long-term impact that we see? I think the important thing there to keep in mind is that at the end of the day, it impacts the business's bottom line directly because eventually there's somewhere is a consumer who's going to say, all right, you know what? I'm not going to wait this extra week to buy that thing. Instead, I'm going to just get it. 
and get something else. So this is kind of going to proliferate through the market all the way down to B2C, where then eventually a consumer will say, oh, I'm not going to wait for this because let's say it's a computer, right? And uh, there's, there's a shortage in the number of computers. Let's say they only get 20 in stock and the person is 21st to get want to get one, so they would have to wait a week, and instead they'll buy a different computer. And of course, you know, this is oil, so it's not going to be exactly a computer, but uh, I'm using this as an example to demonstrate that if they're not willing, some consumers are not going to be willing to wait, and they're just going to choose an alternative which isn't delayed, which will have a direct impact on the bottom line of the B2C side of businesses. And I'll just say one more thing, right, which is that, Ashreyas, you're talking about like, oh, it's just closed for a week. Why would that matter that much? Well, Think of it, right? 52 weeks in a year, right? We're talking roughly about 2% of volume uh, gone, like stopped in that in that week, right? Uh, when we're talking about percentages of such a huge amount of trade, right? That's real damage getting inflicted across the economy, right? It's really serious stuff. I see. Okay. I would have two, two questions, two additional follow-up questions, uh, especially to Allison's points. Uh, the first would be, well, I would imagine that in the scenario that you're talking about where a consumer is like, okay, I won't purchase from this company, I'll go to a different one. Would this not really apply in this scenario since it's a global issue, right? Like everyone, every kind of oil provider would be losing out on the ability right, but you to provide have, oil. You have alternatives which don't rely on oil. Like let's say, I look, let's, let, let's, let's not make it a different computer. Let's make it, I've got $1,000 here. I can either buy this product which depends on oil or this other product which doesn't depend on oil, and I'm just buying it for my happiness. It's not a utility tool. It's just something I want to make me happy. Either way, you know, maybe this oil-dependent thing will make me slightly happier, but that time lag comes at such a cost that I'll just buy that other thing that doesn't rely on oil. It doesn't have to be an equivalent good. Or I can put it into a certificate of deposit, right, and just lock that money away for a little bit. I see. Okay. That makes sense. And my second point would just be, a comment, I, I guess, and to take this into the abstract, I suppose, when we consider companies or, or things that provide us goods or services, then I would imagine that short-term inability to provide, would that be more important in a more competitive market versus a market that's not as competitive, I guess? Because in a competitive market, there are alternatives that you are actively competing against and small advantages would matter that exa that's exactly right depending on like let's say if there are literally no alternatives in the market then consumers have no choice but to wait so the more competitive the market the more alternatives the more likely you're, you're to lose business due to a slight delay okay that makes sense yeah i had a bit more questions this one's actually just on terminology mentioned in the article the article says quote banks and transportation companies laid gains on the s p 500 index what is the s p 500 index <laughs> basically it's just an like a collection of stocks right its value is derived from uh, weighting and averaging uh the sort of market capitalizations of a bunch of other shares in the u.s market right and basically because it tracks like a, some really big companies and so many of them you can use it as a sort of barometer for the overall health of the stock market. Just, just kind of a simple way to really explain what it is. Essentially, it's 500 massive companies on the uh, stock market, predominantly some of the biggest companies, but also companies that meet additional requirements. So for example, you know, you might recall Tesla wanted to enter the S&P 500. There was a whole thing about it. So they had to meet additional disclosure and regulatory requirements to actually be part of that. So it's basically a list of 500 companies which are massive on the stock market and have, you know, slightly higher disclosure stuff. Okay. And so I, I guess how would the problem with oil lead to banks and transportation companies having gains on this index? 
Well, I think uh, transportation companies is pretty simple because, you know, if transportation's halted on the shipping side, you need alternative uh, transport. So there'll be more demand for shipping to go through other ways. So, you know, let's say you need you just need some goods. It's going to get shipped by plane. That shipping company is going to get more. So that would naturally go up as far as banks. Well, that will probably be, you know, partly due to the additional loans that are going to be needed to cover all those losses. Uh, some of the exposure since some banks already have you know, oil futures. So they're going to already own some oil, which moved up. So it's going to move banks up a little bit. But it's this is really kind of a compounding effect around it that pushes the, on the bank side. Maybe Rocco has a bit more insight. And it's important to remember, right, that this is sort of the overall stock market we're talking about. Uh, just because there is a sort of big incident happening at the same time with the Suez Canal doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's pushing banks in one way or another. Like that could be down to noise. That could be down to some like reports coming out, etc. It's not not necessarily relevant. Or actually, I think another thing that it could be is because banks are some of the least reliant businesses on oil. So if people are trying to move their assets out of shipping exposed sectors, then what's the least dependent on shipping? A bank, because just about the only thing they're going to ship you is a letter and maybe occasionally a new credit card. So they have minimal exposure on being impacted by shipping. I mean, but this is, I think, remember the timeline here? This is roughly when the tech stocks were getting hammered, right? So it just might have been also a sort of a shift into a bank's right. Yeah, I, I think it's just a compounding factors. effect of like 30 little things pushing them up together to a notable amount. Interesting. Okay, I, I guess important to criticize Bloomberg, at least from my perspective, since it did not mention the possibility that this isn't the only cause or a direct thing that we can demonstrate is definitely true uh, about the effects between the oil market and banks and transportation companies. But another another terminology question I have is the article mentions small cap shares, and I was wondering mm. what that is as well. Cap stands for capitalization. It's the overall worth of a company, right? As measured by the, like multiplying the value of its shares by the number of shares, right? So small cap shares are smaller companies, right? And so whereas the S&P 500 measures the sort of health of the stock market through trying to pinpoint the health of these big companies, right? The small cap indices help you track how sort of middling companies are doing, how these smaller American firms are handling uh, events, right? Yeah, because like a lot of people often have a tendency to kind of forget that the stock market isn't just Amazon, Tesla, Apple. There's so many smaller companies that are listed because of the funding that being publicly listed offers without being one of those biggest 500 because the stock market has tens of thousands of different companies the global stock market probably has hundreds of thousands if not more companies listed so it's important to keep in mind that you probably look at the biggest 50 or maybe biggest 100 whenever you're normally looking at the stock market but there's so much more there you know all those other ones need a name so uh kind of a part of them that are the smaller ones are called small caps okay interesting and I guess to put into context for what the article is saying, it talked about how small cap shares would be gained by the announcement of 200 million vaccine doses. So I was wondering what's the relationship there, what the interaction process is there. Well, it's mainly tied to the fact that, you know, we talked about this previously, that the lockdowns and restrictions primarily hurt small businesses. On the scale of the stock market, small caps are those small businesses. Now, of course, small business, when we talk about it, normally is someone with a revenue of like, $100,000, somewhere around there, uh, kind of at a higher level. But small cap on the stock market might be $100 million, like $50 million revenue. But at the end of the day, they're still a relatively small business. And if they can get 
uh, you know, get back to operating. A lot of them have a lot of B2C exposures, th things like this. So it will help them operate more and get into it because it's not Amazon who's selling stuff online. They might have physical branches and stuff like that. Now I'll just clarify one thing there, right? Which is what B2C means, Treyas. So B2C means business to consumer. And so whereas say, an investment bank doesn't need to deal with any consumers, it just helps advise, say, businesses, uh, does B2B work, right? Where it helps businesses interact with other businesses. A lot of these small cap shares are in industries where they need to sell their products to normal people, to consumers, right? And so since a lot of that might have been shut down due, due to the pandemic, when you see more and more good news stream in on the COVID side of things, that's going to really help these companies bottom line, right? Really boost their shares on the stock market. And partly it's also a knock-on effect because at the, at the end of every, you know, transaction is somewhere, somewhere being B2C, that revenue and then that knocks on through you know b2b side which is business to business absolutely so even if that b2c side isn't you know derivative of all those small caps that b2b still is affected by it because it's a knock-on effect like, that's why most stocks are going to gain on the fact that we've got a, a opening economy now i see okay i have one more question and this just has to do with uh, i guess how does one sector specifically impact uh, another sector completely unrelated to that sector so I think there, uh, it's kind of a question of the capital, right? There are two things you can do with capital when you're selling off. Let's say you had 100 shares of company X and you sold all those shares. So now you have a pile of money. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you just going to sit on that pile of money and be happy? Or are you going to invest it so it can grow more? So what happens there is if there's a sell-off of a certain sector because there's too much danger, you don't want to be in positions that are within that you know, sector that company X is in. So what you're going to do is you're going to find a sector which is unrelated or as unrelated as possible, and you're just going to move that money there. Because within the stock market, a lot of you know a lot of the capital that goes around there needs to flow from one place to another. You're not going to be keeping cash around for a long time because that's you know that just doesn't make sense for you. I see. So there are advantages to com I guess being in a completely different sector to a different sector that's doing poorly. Yeah, it's a question of risk management exactly. Okay. Cool. And so I'm just going to do a quick sum up because I think those are all of my questions. So the first thing we learned was, or I should say I learned, <laughs> was that one ship stuck in the Suez Canal could affect a lot of oil. And I learned why I guess that happens. And I guess the difference between like a short term or how to conceptualize a short term impact and a long term impact and what are the different factors and specifically oil and in general, necessary things that we need uh, urgently in our economies. I guess another thing that I learned was what the S&P 500 index means as well as what a small cap share is and how those are affected by something like vaccine doses. I guess a, a big thing to keep in mind is that the stock market is not just big businesses. It's not just Apple and Google, right? It's also other medium sized and small businesses too. So that would be some, some place in which that is accounted for. And lastly, uh, I learned a little bit about I guess uh, how the stock market actually works, where investors actually choose sectors completely unrelated to one another when they are noticing that a particular sector is doing pretty badly. So I guess in a sector like oil, when it's doing pretty badly, someone in would invest in a sector that has the least to do with oil, right? So that's pretty interesting. I think that could be something to definitely explore more. And yeah, those are all my takes, or I shouldn't even say takes, those are my insights. <laughs>